This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Best of Taz and Jim Podcast. This is interesting. A poll says that 58% of people say they probably aren't going to remember somebody's name the first time they meet. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends. It, like, what does a meet? If you just walk up to a group of people and you shake somebody's hand, like two or three people, and then walk away, is that meeting? Or like hanging out with somebody... You know, at a party for an hour. There's two separate things, right? If you right? play a round of golf with a guy. Yeah, yeah. Stuck with them for five hours, you might remember their name. But after like eight holes, you got to ask the guy who's golfing, so what's your buddy's name? Oh, I've done that. Steve? And then, and then you're like, oh yeah, Steve, I knew it. Thanks, thanks. And you go to Steve. Hey, Steve, what's your other buddy's name again? <laughs> Jeff. Okay, yeah, yeah, Jeff. <laughs> Men are a little worse than women at remembering names. 55% of women say they have trouble. Uh, 61% of men. They remember, do. they remember faces, though. Uh, people are more likely to remember a face. Like, oh, yeah, I know this guy from somewhere. Yeah. You just don't remember the name. I have that all the time. I feel so bad. And, you know, and now I've heard other people say it, too, instead of saying... Because recently I told you the story, Taz, where I said, nice to meet you to somebody, and they said, I already met you, a-hole. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God. So now I have to say, good to see you to people yeah. just to be safe. I've been doing that for years. Seems a little like insincere, but. I just feel like my brain is full at this point. <laughs> yeah, I've been meeting people for, for quite a while now. And yeah, it's nothing personal. I just don't have any room. I really have to rely on, like, uh, uh, tricks. I, I'll often, if I meet somebody and I know someone with that name, I'll try and make the association between that person. Like, if I meet another Jim, I'll be like, oh, Jim, like, Jim I work with. Yeah. And and that way, uh, something kind of triggers to help you remember. But it's not, you can't be expected to remember everyone's name. Yeah, it's tough. Did you hear Brad Pitt say he suffers from facial blindness, an undiagnosed <laughs> mental disorder? Do you believe that? So basically he said that he, he's, he apologizes to anybody in the past that he's never remembered their name for because he suffers from an undiagnosed situation where he can't actually tell the difference between a lot of faces. Yeah. That sounds like a convenient excuse for somebody who's self-absorbed. Think about the number of people that Brad Pitt has met again. I kind of, I kind of understand. That guy has seen a lot of faces. Then why not just say that? And everyone wants something from him, so eventually all the faces might start looking the same. But why, why not just say that? And everybody would have been like, "You're right. You're Brad Pitt. You meet a hundred people on set every day. Why go so far? Like he must have insulted some people that are relatively close to him that he should know the name of, right?" I am your grandmother, Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you look just like that other old lady I, I saw yesterday. <laughs> Can we all agree, though, that the absolute worst is when people come up to you and they start the conversation by saying, hey, do you remember me? Oh. Those are the worst yeah. types of people. You're on the spot yeah. now. You're panicked. Sometimes they say, I bet you don't remember me. I feel better about that because you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Best of Taz and Jim. It is Taz and Jim, and let's take a look at what's going on in some small towns around the listening area. Hey, bud, you know, interesting stuff happens in the country, too, some, sometimes. So I guess she's time for the rural report. The rural, rural, rural report. There we go, bud. Yeah, we're always giving tons of love to the big cities like Hamilton, London, Kitchener, Waterloo on the program. Let's focus on some of the smaller communities with Jim Kelly, the pride of Mitchell, Ontario. Where are we going today, Jim? You ever heard tell of Wallaceburg, Ontario, Taz? You know, I have heard tell you of have? Wallaceburg, but I'd like to know more about it. Well, it's south of Thornyhurst. 
West of Charlemont, but boy, oh boy, this town, it's a—it's uh, quite the place. I've heard it described as uh, the Walmart of Ontario. Really? It does. It is a kind of a small population. It does have a giant Walmart, and all the other small towns kind of filter into Wallaceburg. So some odd things happen in Wallaceburg, Ontario, every once in a while. Case in point, yesterday made the news after a, a construction site was assaulted by a 54-year-old lady. Now, at first I thought that this was going to be like one of those early morning confrontations where the construction workers start, you know, at 7 a.m. and then the neighbors trying to uh, sleep. they're being too loud. Yeah. Right. And, and this was a local tenant in the area. Whatever reason, starts getting upset with these construction workers around 3 p.m. the other day. And uh, they start bickering back and forth. Next thing you know, the 54-year-old lady starts pulling plastic bags of poop out of her pocket and starts chucking them at the construction workers. Like doggy do bags? Like, uh, I think it's like a Ziploc bag. Full and of poop. Full of poop. Like, a, like an angry incontinent monkey at the zoo. She's just started chucking them. So the construction workers, they're getting off the scaffolding. They're like, oh, this is disgusting. Oh. Yeah. So they call the, call the cops. Cops show up. Like our buddy Murdoch Mysteries, <laughs> you know, they, they start, you know, doing a little investigation. They inspect the bag of poop. Upon closer inspection, they realize it's not poop. It's actually peanut butter. They confront the lady. She says, yeah, I was on my way to feed the squirrels at the park. And I got mad at these guys and uh, threw the peanut butter at them. So, Which was, could be worse if one of them has a peanut allergy. Truly, truly. And I hope she I hope she meant to throw the peanut butter and she didn't just get her two Ziploc bags mixed up or else the oh, Wallaceburg yeah. Kinsman Park squirrels are going to have some pretty bad breath. <laughs> Bottom line though, this lady still a bit of a nut job either way. <laughs> that is some good advice. Do not keep a Ziploc bag of peanut butter in one pocket and a Ziploc bag of poop in the other pocket. You're playing with fire. <laughs> If you've got a story from a small town you want us to talk about here on the Rural Report, slide into our DMs and let us know about it. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Best of Taz and Jim Podcast. Story from globalnews.ca. Headline, Hamilton family alleges pizza delivery guy took their cat. Hmm? A Hamilton family is frantically searching for their cat, who they believe was taken by the pizza delivery guy. Strange. Uh, the Belfort family and friends have been on social media asking uh, that people in Hamilton keep their eyes peeled for their cat, Dwight. Dwight is missing, and they check their surveillance video from their home, and they say that... The, the cat was picked up and taken away by a driver who delivered their pizza a few days before. Wow, so a crime of opportunity. He was on the porch. We have it on video, Rebecca Belfort told Global News. He delivered the pizza, then he went out of his way to put the pizza bag back in the car and then came back up and scooped our cat. Huh. Well, it should be easy enough to track down who that delivery driver was at that time if he actually is guilty of this. Yeah, well, they say they contract they contacted the pizza place, and the driver told them he let the cat go in the area of Gordon Drummond Ave and Kennard Street, about 10 kilometers away what? from their home. A snatch and release? 
what would motivate a person to do that? That is insanity. Because like I could see, listen, if you if you really wanted a cat, and you, I know it's hard to get a cat from the Humane Society. As crazy as that sounds. I had a buddy who got rejected once. It's like, aren't they giving cats away? <laughs> like, aren't they, they're just going to put them down. Yeah, the, the motive was, I want to keep this cat because I love cats. Yeah. Or maybe I've got a mouse problem and I need a cat to catch all the mice in my apartment. But if you're just going to take the cat and then let it go 10 kilometers away, what kind of person are you? Yeah, it sounds like the cat was already outside the house or so, like got out of the house. They think it got out when they opened the door to get the pizza. So, okay, this guy, that that's even, I would say that's worse than kidnapping. Imagine if you tra- track down your kidnapper, you kidnapped your cousin or something like that, and then they're like, oh, I let your cousin, I let your cousin go in Mexico. It's like, thanks, bud. What, why didn't you just keep him around? <laughs> we, like if it was a you? ransom situation, yeah. at least you'd kind of you found understand. Yeah. You, okay, you took the cat because you wanted to send us a note and demand money, but there really is... No motive. It's just a really stupid thing to do. It's like the Joker. It's just pure chaos. Okay. Uh, Dwight is mostly gray with a white spot on his nose, dark spots on his tail. And we'll post the uh, full Global News article on the Taz and Jim Facebook page if you have any information about Dwight. This family would love to hear from you. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Best of Taz and Jim. Podcast. Yesterday, we were talking about the UFC pay-per-view on Saturday night, the front kick specifically that Mike Chandler laid on Tony Ferguson. It was one of the craziest knockouts I've ever seen in MMA. I, th- I thought he killed the guy for a couple minutes there. We had retired UFC fighter Sam Stout sharing his opinion on the air with us yesterday. I wish we had known about this story. Before we talk to Sammy, because I, I think this is a first as well when it comes to the UFC. I've never heard this one, Jim. Yeah, there's a fighter named Joel Bauman, and he fought on Sunday in a in a small UFC event. Uh, it was a win. He got the win. However, a few weeks ago, he got a loss. And so after his win on Sunday, he gets interviewed by the guy in the ring after, and he goes on to explain why he lost the fight recently. Last fight, I was tired. I was exhausted. I'm about to launch this NFT that's going to change the fight game. And I put in 30 all-nighters before that fight. I had herpes before that fight, two outbreaks in the span of a week. I'm here. I'm healthy. Let's go. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I fight. Did I just hear that correctly? Yeah, just in case you missed it. By by the way, hear the crowd noise just absolutely die in the crickets here. The the NFT. I was focused on the NFT. Yeah, yeah. And then then he hit you with the HPV. (laughs) We took a left-hand turn. Last fight, I was tired. I was exhausted. I'm about to launch this NFT that's going to change the fight game. And I put in 30 all-nighters before that fight. I had herpes before that fight, two outbreaks in the span of a week. I'm here. I'm healthy. Let's go. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I fight. Hmm. Hashtag end the stigma? He, I mean, he could have said I had a couple of health concerns. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you have to go into... Uh, into detail about exactly <laughs> what you were dealing with. Uh, TMI? Uh, what's more embarrassing, thinking that NFTs can still be a game changer or admitting to the world you have herpes? Both in the same league. 
I'm assuming it wasn't a cold sore, because if it was a cold sore, you would say, I had a couple of cold sores. <laughs> I don't know. Does it, is I had a couple, herpes, a couple you bouts of herpes. Well, you, I guess you... Yeah, you got you can treat it, but... But you wouldn't be able to fight it? I don't know. Would there be irritation? Well, I, if you had visible herpes, it would almost be an advantage going into a fight oh, with somebody. Yeah. You just kiss them on the mouth and they <laughs> tap out. Get him even close to a scissor lock, and you're oh, he's gone. <laughs> no, 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 no! I tap. Uh, well, you know what? I, I appreciate this guy's honesty. Last fight, I was tired. I was exhausted. I'm about to launch this NFT that's going to change the fight game. And I put in 30 all-nighters before that fight. I had herpes before that fight. Two outbreaks in the span of a week. I'm here. I'm healthy. Let's go. The best of Taz and Jim. This is a feel-good story that's gone viral. There's a woman in California who got a free couch on Craigslist. That's not the end of the story. I was going to say, whoa. Pretty sweet, though. (laughs) Free couch. I can't complain about that. Uh, She got it home and noticed there was something a little weird about one of the cushions. Discovered that there was $36,000 cash (sighs) hidden inside the couch. So now you got a little dilemma going, right? Mm-hmm. Do you keep it? Yes. <laughs> okay, no dilemma. Done. I do feel bad. Yeah, this is something every once in a while, something will be donated to Goodwill, it'll be an envelope of $10,000 that a grandma shoved in there to be safe because she doesn't s- trust the banks or something. Obviously, the woman returned the money. I don't think if she kept it, she'd be oh. calling the local news station. <laughs> That's what I just made out with. Like a bandit. Her name is Vicky Umoto, and she is uh, she's very uh, honest, obviously. Here she is talking about what it was like to find that cash. We pick it up. We brought it in. I felt something. I thought was, it was a heat pad. I was just like telling my son, come, come, come. I was screaming, come, come, come. It's money, it's money. I need to call the guy. Need to call the guy. She called mm. the guy. Turns out, old eccentric uncle. Okay. Had money hidden all over the house. Family said, yeah, we found money like in the walls and we found money behind uh, other furniture. Uh, thank you. They've paid for a fridge. They bought the lady, returned the money, a fridge worth around 3000 bucks. Nice fridge, apparently. Not bad. Yeah, but you think before you sold the couch, if you had a money hiding in sector, you can't call But you they didn't find the other money until after they gave the couch away. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Damn. I'm, a, I, I'm also surprised these eccentric people, why do they have so much money left over, you know, if they're so crazy? You know, like often you'll see people, they'll, they'll bury money beside a fence post at their, their farm or something like that. Yeah, where's like that? That happened to a friend of mine who was building a fence. And oh, it's, I thought you've been burying money. Let's put out a treasure map. Go I, find that no, stuff. I got about $46 <laughs> hidden around the house, mostly falling down couches. Yeah, it would be fun, though, if suddenly you realize that you, you, you agreed to clean out your uncle's place after he died and you start finding cash everywhere. I think that's why people do clean out hoarders' houses, just knowing how disgusting it could be, but you never know. And that's why people love estate sales, too. Yeah. You're looking for this, and they're not giving the money back, so kudos to this lady for being honest. Have you ever found cash hidden in a house, dead relative, moved into a new place, previous owners, had some cash stashed somewhere? Let us know. one 833 Jim. 
Woodstock 99. It was going to be the biggest party on the planet. But that's not what any of us remember it for. What the hell happened? We got fires everywhere. Look at this. Kerosene. Match. Boom. Trainwreck, Woodstock 99, a documentary series on Netflix right now, has people talking about the festival, that the sequel, the sequel's never as good as the original, huh? Uh, Woodstock uh, revisited in 1999, things got out of control. You don't call your documentary Trainwreck unless... (laughs) things go sideways, right? Well, we weren't there. I didn't go to Woodstock 99, but one of our listeners, Tim, did, and we've had him on to talk about his experience in the past. And we we had him watch the documentary here. So we want to see how things line up in your eyes. Tim, how you doing, bud? Not too bad. How you doing, buddy? Good. So you watched the documentary. Did it bring back good memories or bad memories? Uh, it was a little bit of both. I had goosebumps watching the the clips of the of the audience seeing the size of the crowd the emotion when the lead singer of corn was talking about the sound carrying over 250,000 people and you could see how it was like a wave going over top it, it, it was definitely intense and chaotic but i don't remember the violence i don't remember people being raped and things like that and the chaoticness what they really glorify in the video I remember seeing a lot of crazy bands and I remember when the sound tower came down, um, limp biscuit and the sheets of plywood went across my head. That's when I said, okay, time to get out of here. Yeah. You, you, you listen, I, uh, Tim, I know you and I know you like a good party, but at the same time, if the party's so out of control that Tim's leaving, <laughs> the tower came down. But I'm gonna stick around a little bit. Yeah, I'm not a very big guy, remember, right, guys? So you get 250,000 people, and when the crowd moves 10 feet to the left, you're you're moving with the crowd. Yeah. You have no option. It's like being stuck um, in the ocean, basically. You yeah. go, you go where it wants you to go. Yeah. To be honest, though, they didn't even show the craziest part. The craziest part was when Rage Against the Machine came on. When when rage hit the stage, I have never seen a frenzy of body parts and people flying everywhere. The bulldog pit in front of the main stage was like a war zone. I watched bodies being carried over the railing and handed like it was a triage center being going in the background. Wow! Right, like it was it was absolutely chaotic. The fires that started on the final night. You know, we we were there. I, I remember looking at my buddy and saying, hey, let's get out of here before the state troopers trap us in here because we could hear the sirens and they were already coming in. But it was nothing to the point that we were ever in danger. You didn't feel <laughs> like it. Was, <laughs> it was a little danger. Like you're, yeah. you're very casual about it. Oh, we I saw his bodies. I almost triage. got decapitated by a piece of plywood. Yeah. Uh, everything was on fire. <laughs> Sirens State everywhere. rolling in, rolling on the plane. <laughs> but I felt safe. Yeah, my tent was warm. Yeah. Did you sleep good. in now, a tent? We, 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 slept, we stayed outside the, fair, the campground. So you had the option of either camping inside the concert venue or you could sleep outside in your vehicles and camp all around your vehicle. 
So that's why we didn't have an issue with the food or the cost of anything is because we camped outside, mm. walked in and out of the venue every day, like a smart person. Right. And then and we weren't whiny little complainers. <laughs> if anybody goes to a concert thinking that something's going to be free, you're, you're an entitled, I don't want to say it on the radio, yeah. but yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah you, you go know to a fire I mean? festival like, and you get what you deserve. Well, that's just it. It was a rock and roll festival. It was the biggest lineup to finish 1999 and starting a new millennium. It was absolutely from noon hour until midnight every day, the most amazing performances that you could watch from James Brown to Jamiroquai to Corn to Limp Bizkit to Rage Against the Machine, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Metallica. The Bad Tragically Boy, Hip, your highlight the was the hip, hip with all the Canadian flags. That's right. That's right, buddy. A good time. <laughs> well, you do, I, I watch a little bit of the documentary. We're talking Trainwreck Woodstock 1999. Uh, it's on Netflix now. And from what I've seen, boy, oh boy, does it ever look like the most 90s thing ever. <laughs> oh, it was. It was absolutely. Yeah. It was It was a blowout to the 90s. It was the, all of the, the people there. It was like a, a, a huge frat party gone wild. Hmm. Right. And that was, if you were there for the, for the fraternity side of it, yeah, I guess maybe it was a little insane, but if you were there for the music, like we ran from stage to stage to stage all day yeah. long. But you'd recommend, you'd perform. recommend the, the documentary that people give it a watch, especially if they're there. I, yeah. I look forward to them trying to bring out a documentary that would actually play the real music and the positive side maybe a little bit more through the rose-colored glasses instead of the negative side, right? Yeah, I don't think you saw things through rose-colored glasses that weekend. It may have been something else there, Tim. <laughs> I think my glasses were tinted with LSD shades. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think there's a reason you have such fond memories. Yeah. You were floating on a cloud that entire weekend, weren't you? Could, could have been a little bit of nitrous floating around in the air. Nobody acknowledged that I was riding a unicorn the whole time. <laughs>